Hi, and welcome to the She's a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Louise, and this podcast is going to be brought to you every single week. If you're a Christian and you're looking for some great community, then we hope that this podcast makes you feel like you've nipped round to your pal's house for a cup of tea and a chinwag, and that you go away feeling even more excited and more aware of God's goodness, his love for you and his protection over you. If you aren't a Christian or you know some Christians, but they're a bit weird, maybe you're not even sure that God exists, maybe you're seeking, then this is a great place for you too. Come along, tune in, and we hope that you go away feeling encouraged and uplifted, hearing testimonies of goodness from people from all walks of life. Tune in, I don't really know what I'm doing, but does anyone, and let's do this together. So hello everyone and welcome back to the She's a Christian podcast, there's been a brief hiatus, but we are back today and we are at Liberty Church in Dunfermline. Uh, recording a podcast with Donna here and I'm really excited to introduce you to Donna so Donna is a mum of three four I keep forgetting them all (laughs) four and Donna and I our kids go to the same school and we get to see each other every single day and Donna's background is that she has uh, her qualification in trauma-informed parenting and she's partway through finishing up being an integrative Christian counsellor and she has an amazing testimony actually and it's probably quite good that we're doing this in your church today in Liberty because Liberty Church has been a real refuge for you over the course of the last few years Mm -hmm. and a really part of your life so it's going to be brilliant to talk to Donna today and I'm so excited for you all to hear her story and her testimony it's um it's quite a, a heavy one today I would say but it's good. It's really, really good. And I'm excited to talk about it. So I'm just going to start off. I'm going to pass over to Donna. And I'm just going to ask you to tell everyone a wee bit about how and when you became a Christian. So okay. what that looked like for you and how old you were. Okay. Um. So I became a Christian, first of all, when I was nine years old. Um. I said the salvation prayer at, at Elam Pentecostal Church in Bradford. Um, I had been watching my mum for a wee while um, going to church and a light going on mm-hmm. with my mum, which was absolutely amazing. Um, so my mum was diagnosed with bipolar, so she would have extreme mood swings. Mm-hmm. So she either loved me, hated me or completely ignored me. Um, and church life really began when two people came knocking at the door. We'd recently moved into a new home. I was only eight. Um, and she was invited to go along. So she started to go along. Um, and I started to see a change in my mom. She started to, she wasn't as anxious. She wasn't as fearful. And she started to live life. And which was really nice was um, she would yeah. tell me bedtime stories, which was lovely. Oh, um, I've never really experienced that with my mum. So I'm sitting in church and Pastor Faith um, is inviting <laughs> us to say the salvation prayer. It's down in Bradford. Down in Bradford, okay. yep. Um, and I remember saying it and walking away thinking that God was going to give me this perfect life, that yeah. all the bad things were going to stop. I was going to have this perfect little life with a mum and dad that loved me. Um, and my mum... Um, my real dad, I don't know who my real dad is. So I had this picture in my head, you know, a fairy tale yeah. picture that all the bad stuff was going to yeah. stop. Um, and it didn't. And I thought maybe there was something wrong with mm-hmm. me or maybe um, I didn't set the prayer right. Oh. Um, 
So I I remember speaking to God and just saying, you know, show me what I need to do. As is it that I need to do something, you know, for for you to make all the bad stuff stop? Yeah. Um, and the bad stuff didn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, um, actually, a, a pinnacle point was my mom got baptized. Okay. Um, I must have been about ten or eleven at that point. And a well-meaning Christian um, told her, now you do realise that now you've been baptised, the enemy's going to attack you. So my mum really took that on board Mm -hmm. and she didn't have the understanding. She was still quite an immature Christian, a baby Christian. Um, She didn't have the biblical background. She wasn't brought up in church, so she didn't have the understanding of God's word. You know, it's like... Whatever the enemy throws at you, God is so much bigger yeah. and he always has a way yeah. to be able to tell you that can overcome that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and my mum, eventually, the darkness just took over and she came away from church um, at the age of 13. Um, she had a massive nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. I was taken out of school to look after her. 13? At no. 13. At 13. I then became mum, literally. My mum regressed so much so yeah. that she called me mum. But my mum had had a really traumatic period. So she'd gone back in her mind to a very scary yeah. place. Which you can see clearly now because you're trained yeah. in this. But at the time, you're just thinking. I thought my mum had lost a rocker, honestly. Oh, my <laughs> mum had completely lost the plot. My mum went into people's homes um, and started prophesying. Oh, and they goodness. came true. They actually fueled her fire even more, <laughs> which really oh. did. But I don't know whether or not my mum realised that they came true or saw that, because I don't know how much my mum actually remembers at that time. Yeah. Um. But for six months, I was out of school and oh I God. had to look after my mum. So I, I was the cleaner, I was the cook. I, was the, I remember having a twin top and having to wash clothes with a twin top. Jeans are not nice to wash in a twin top. Where was the, like, where was the social worker? There was none. But, so you had to just slip right through like this nail? Totally slip oh, through the gap. Okay. Totally. Um, we'd reached out to the church mm-hmm. um, and basically hit a brick wall. There wasn't the understanding that there is now. No. Um, they did pray with my mum, mm-hmm. you know, but they they just kind of went away. My mum prayed for me, but my mum, when she prayed, it was terrifying. Yes, yeah, quite dramatic. It was quite dramatic. <laughs> um, so then mm-hmm. at age 14, I rebelled. Yeah. I totally rebelled. I ran away from home. Okay. Um, I, I, well, I did try going back to school, but I'd looked after my mum yeah. for six months. And there was no way no. that my brain was going to be able to sit in a classroom no. and be able to take information at all. I was so disruptive. Yeah. I was horrendous. You're like a wee adult. Oh, Because I was. fighting over crisps and chocolate in the playground, that's yeah. quite low level for you at that age. Because I, you were you were grown up. Like, and I that was. But I also had such a strong sense of injustice. Yeah. Um, so I do not condone this at all. But I put my hand up and the teacher ignored me and went straight past me. Yeah. And I went to a, a boy that put his hand yeah. up straight away. And I got so angry yeah. that I got up and I knocked him on the shoulder and then I pushed him and the I teacher. let him. Yeah, it was terrible. You're, do you think you were just hyper vigilant like oh extremely I was not very I was so angry yeah I was so angry at the world but underneath all that I was terrified yeah I was so full of fear 
you know, and it was like, oh my goodness. And through all this, I could not see God yeah. anywhere in it. You know, it's like, where are you? Are you real? Are you not real? Yeah. I would try going back into church and I would mm-hmm. try and, you know, fit in with my peers, but I didn't. No. I couldn't. You know, I'd started smoking at the age of 12. Yeah. My mum allowed that to happen. Right. Um. So anyway, at the age of 14, I ran away from home. Okay. Um, And I'd, I'd only been to this person's house once previously, yeah. and it wasn't for a very long period of time. So I'd actually planned to run away with a friend, but my oh. friend chickened out. <laughs> I was always that friend, by the way. I was always like, I'm leaving. And then it's quarter to five, and I'm hungry. I'm going home. <laughs> no, I decided I was going to go. So this is like, I'd, I'd wait till really late. And I'd put the key back through the letterbox. Like, there's, there's, no actually, there's no going back. Oh I was word. like, oh my goodness. So that was it. I don't even remember having any of my stuff with me, though, no. to be honest. Um, and I remember like taking the shortcuts through, absolutely terrified, thinking, oh my goodness, anything could happen right now. Where am I going to go? You know, what do I do? So anyway, I went to um, this woman's house and her brother answered the door and he was 24. Right, okay. Um, by the next day, the next day I'm sitting in a pub, learning how not to be sick while getting drunk out of my face. Oh my and then that night, um, he was 24, I was 40. So we were totally together. Totally. We were, we were sleeping in the same bed and we were having a, a full-on relationship. Do you know? So, and that relationship went on for two years. Were you like, this is a far better life than what I came from? You're like, this is the dream. Do you know, I just thought I was a big girl. I thought I was an adult yeah. and I could make adult decisions. You know, I was a cocky little so-and-so. Were you wanting to, like, as part of you, like, my mum's just been such a dream, like, I'll show her? Um, My mum, when she, she had a nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. um, her medication was all over and my mum hurt me in ways that yeah. really seriously broke my trust. Mm-hmm. Um, But it wasn't her fault. Yeah. At the time, I thought there was something wrong with me. So I actually thought that if I went away, my mum would be better off without me. Got you. Okay. And she would be able to get well. Yeah. Because I actually remember a psychiatrist saying, if you was just to behave, you would be able to help your mum. Wow. And I I just, he actually explained to me that when my mum got so stressed, she had a switch in her brain that would just switch off. So then that stayed with me and I blamed myself for her being like that. And it, was, it wasn't it was my fault. My mum had had her own trauma yes, growing gorgeous. up. Um, and the psychiatrist didn't have all the background yeah. to what had gone on yeah. either. So he just saw this very problematic, disruptive child <clears throat> Yeah, that was actually just seeking yeah. to be understood yeah. and to get rid of the fear. And yeah. what I learned was anger gave me a sense of power. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And being angry and shouting at people gave me a sense of control. It was false control. Yeah. You and know, it made you a wee bit like untouchable. Yeah. And it, it felt better than being terrified. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But under it, I was. Uh-huh. You know, so I made a lot of absolute rubbish decisions yeah. yeah but I didn't have the understanding so okay. it wasn't until much later um so anyway at the age of 16 mm-hmm. I then discovered I was pregnant okay which was madness um 
me and my ex-partner, well, if I can call him that, um, had another of our massive arguments and I left. Okay. During that time, two um, big, massive guys came to my door from child protection and allegations had been made towards him that he had sexually abused little girls. Right, okay. So, but And they knew that you were somewhat connected with them. Yeah, so well, they were part- asking where he was. You and I didn't know going. where he was. Yeah. So they were asking where he was, where he was staying. I didn't know at that point. Um, Not maybe realising that you're one of his victims, actually. I didn't actually ever see it. Yeah. Ever. Until yeah. very recently. Yeah. Because I was 14 and in my head, I was an adult, you know. And, and I you're carrying a baby when the police come to the door. So you're almost like the, the, the partner. Yeah. As opposed to the... The victim. Correct. Yeah. So fast forward, because I know that um, your life went on and you had your two oldest kids by this point. By by when you found yourself at rock bottom, Lily wasn't around. No. So okay. three children. So that three point. children at this point. Yeah. What happened when, because you told me a little bit about this. Yeah. You reached rock bottom and things began to pick up and turn around yeah. and eventually compound to find you where you are today. Yeah. Like, you're in this church with this vibrant, happy, amazing person. You are a contributor to society. Mm-hmm. You are, you're giving back, you're working with your trauma-informed parenting. You're yeah. going to be a, a Christian counsellor. But what happened when you hit rock bottom and then what began to happen as you went back up the hill after that? Okay. Um. So, well, I fast-forwarded quite a bit. Okay. <laughs> um, a decade or so. Uh, yeah, quite, quite <laughs> a lot. Um, so I am 32 years yeah. old. Um, I had three children at that point. Yeah. Um, and I was not in a very good relationship. Yeah. With you were married. That yeah. Okay. At that point, um, so my two at that point, I had my boy and my daughter and my eldest daughter. So mm-hmm. my eldest daughter was fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a really poor relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, with my two youngest children's dad. Okay. Um, so I left, mm-hmm. and I took my children with me. I mm-hmm. went into women's aid. Mm-hmm. Um, my eldest daughter wanted to go back and stay with her stepdad. Right. Okay. Um, that Did was known hard him? since she was what five. Yeah, you see. yeah. Well, so that four was, actually when so I, that was when like I moved up to Scotland. So she's seen as her dad. Yeah. So yeah. she saw him as her dad. Yeah. Um, and I went into women's aid. My two youngest children, their behaviour went crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. So looking back now, I can see that I was their safe space. Yeah. And I was their person that they could let all their emotions out. Yeah. On. Um, I did not see that at that time. I just thought I was the problem. Yeah. It was my issue because of what had happened mm-hmm. to me and my upbringing. And I had this thought inside my head as well that I'm my mum's daughter. Mm-hmm. Have I got a switch inside my head? Yeah. If yeah, I yeah. get too stressed, could I switch up? Yeah, yeah. Could I hurt my kids? Yeah. You know, and that constant mantra went inside my head. <clears> when <throat> are they safe? Yeah. Would they be better off without me? Mm-hmm. They would be better off without me. It changed to yeah. actually, 
I'm no good for my kids. Yeah. They would be so much better off without me. And my son, um, I've actually got a phone call from the school. I've yeah. had to move their school. Um, saying that he had disrupted the class. Right. So the whole class had to be emptied because he had these massive, big emotions inside yeah. of him. He did not know how to express. No. He'd been brought up in a very volatile environment yeah. that was extremely shouty. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot of calm, regulated guidance at all. Yeah. Um, his parents were two messed up cookies, basically, yeah. that had come together. You yeah. know, and their environment was garbage, okay. to be honest. Yeah. So I got to the point where it was just like, what am I doing? What can I do? And I actually phoned up their dad and I said, you need to come and get them. Yeah. This was a Friday. So he came and got the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went out determined I was going to end it all. I'd, yeah. I'd had enough of the fight. I wasn't doing this anymore. Um, I had been studying the Bible. Um, through preset ministries which was absolutely amazing Um, and I started to understand the bible a little bit more with a lot of guidance from an amazing woman who just so discipled me but I still had not got to that pinnacle point where God was real yeah in here so from age 13 all the way up to this bit you had this sense of there is a God yeah I know there is but you maybe couldn't like see him clearly no until you had some guidance like dig into the word and find out Actually, what's true versus what do I, what does the devil want me to think is true? Yeah. Which is that I'm a muck up. Yeah. And if I was just better, Mm -hmm. things would fall into place. So you had a poor understanding of God. Yeah, a totally poor (laughs) understanding of God. Um, And I also, I wanted to get away from my own head. Yeah. So I tried moving up away from Bradford Mm -hmm. and I moved up to Scotland. Okay. Um, so I did that in 1998. Okay. Um, and I thought that actually by moving up here, I could leave all that behind. Yes. But actually, I brought me with me. <laughs> yeah. Me? <laughs> Couldn't escape me. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was. It's definitely been a journey. Um, and I just remember. Um, fast forward back to 32, age 32, and I remember just saying, "God, if you're real, stop me." And I went okay. to the shop. And I got myself the biggest bottle of vodka I could. And then I got a phone call from Anna, who'd been doing the piece okay. of with me. And she's like, I'm in the town. She interrupted you. Yeah, I'm in the town. Would you like to pop in for coffee? So it was in Abbott House, the pink house. Yes. Yes. I love that place. And she was there with Carol. The whole of Proust Coffee. Yeah. Best coffee in Dunfermline. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Awesome. Um, and then she she actually sat with me with Carol and they prayed over yeah. me. Wow. Um, and I still had this bottle of vodka took to get cool. I'm so sorry, honestly. I'm looking up going, oh my goodness. But anyway, yeah, I did. And I I still wasn't convinced. I didn't see that as God intervening and you know it was just like right okay and then I went over to um a friend's flat okay and I got absolutely drunk out of my face but not drunk enough to actually take all the pills that I had planned to be taking yeah yeah and I phoned up a friend that worked on the doors yeah um and I was like where are you um I'm going to come out. Mm-hmm. I wasn't dressed for going out, clumpy. No. I just wanted more alcohol. And I knew okay. that he would get me more alcohol. And I couldn't hear where he was. 
Um, so I remember um, reaching over to go and turn the music down. Yeah. And as I reached over to turn the music down, I slipped off the couch and I certainly felt an ouch. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. I had to put that in. But I was like, I broke my toe. I broke my toe. But actually, the first thought that came into my head when I was sitting on the floor was, oh, shit, you're real. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. You're like, you're like, I thought a fluffy white angel might appear to make it, but instead, no, you fell, you broke your toe. I know, like, you told me what this break was like. Let's not go into it. It's absolutely disgusting. It was dislocated. It wasn't, it was a nice straightforward dislocation. It should have popped straight back into place. It didn't. I'm so sorry. I just think, look. Was the bone not sticking out? It was. Yes, it was. You went there. You went there. An open fracture. Yeah, an open. It was just a pop. That's right. But um, okay, so you broke your toe, and yeah. then that's you didn't take your life. Obviously, you're sitting out. I didn't. I didn't. But what I did do was after that initial mm-hmm. thought of "Oh shit, you're real." Sorry, apologies. Um, I actually um took my sock off and thought about wrapping it up. So I could still go and meet my pal. Okay. And go and I'm looking at it and I'm going, I'm not gonna be able to no, do that. No. So um I remember that the ambulance guy came out and oh my goodness, by the way, he was lovely. And I put gas in there and vodka. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so for two hours, a straightforward dislocation, should yeah. have gone back into place, didn't. No. Um, so I was kept in. So here's the interesting bit. The next day I was taken down to surgery. Okay. And I had to have a metal rod put in place. Okay. For the toe to stay in place. So it was my big toe mm-hmm. on my right foot. Okay. So an interesting fact is that gives you your balance and your direction. Really? Really. And it's a rod in my toe. And I was like, right, okay. It didn't actually click yeah. what any of this meant whatsoever. So I was in hospital for two days. Mm-hmm. And then it was January, um, the year 2009. Yeah. And I went back to Women's Aid when I yep. was out. My kids were still with their dad. Okay. And I remember just going into my bed and just crying my little heart out, going, okay, God, you're real now what? Yeah, I yeah. really need to know your comfort right now. I need to know you. Yeah. Here. And Anna had bought me a book called God, I Need Your Comfort. Okay. And it was written by Kay Arthur. Okay. I'll just put that in there. Yeah. Anybody wants to we'll put that in the show notes. And I just randomly opened up the pages mm-hmm. and it was as if you go astray. Okay. So all of us have gone astray and tend to go our own way. Yeah, and yeah. Like, okay. And I continued to read on. Yeah. And basically what the words say, whether or not this is real, I don't know, but this is what was written down on those pages oh, and it was real for me. It's what a shepherd will do with an independent sheep is it will go and catch that independent sheep mm-hmm. and it will break that sheep's leg. Not to hurt the sheep, but so that the sheep will have yeah. a very real real relationship yeah. with the shepherd and that sheep will never want to wander off and at that point yeah. I just absolutely broke and it was just it was so surreal because looking back I could yeah. see God yeah I could see where God had intervened mm. I could see where God had kept me safe mm-hmm. where I was still here mm-hmm. um it, it just really opened my eyes and then from that day forward 
I've just been able to see what God is doing in the midst of it. Sometimes yeah. it's been really difficult. Yeah. But he's always been with me. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was amazing, you know, just all the little things yeah. that has happened. So when difficult things happen, mm-hmm. he always reminds me, I'm with you. Remember yeah. what I've done? Yeah. You yeah. know, so I was in homeless at that point. Yeah. And during that time, it was a really difficult time. My kids actually ended up staying with their dad. Social work then got involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, lies were told. Yeah. And it was decided on a voluntary basis mm-hmm. that my kids would stay with their dad. Okay. However, if I had tried to take my children, yeah, I would not have been able to see my kids. I would no. have had, they would have, they would have got okay. things put in place. That was probably one of the lowest times of my life mm-hmm. at that point. Um, in 2010, yeah, I got the keys to a beautiful home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was told I was going to get a two-bedroom flat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, please, God, can I please just have a house with a small little garden so I can yeah. have an apple tree and a pear tree? I remember actually saying that prayer, um, and I was under the influence. Um, but it stuck in my head, and it's like, he still hears us no matter where we are, even on yeah. our mess. Yeah. He hears us and he's still with us. Um, so in March I got the notification. I wasn't able to move in until okay. May. Okay. Um, so I was the first in five to get the furniture tenancy scheme. And I was told that if I didn't get it, I would move into an empty house. Okay. If I did, I would know because there would be a carpet and everything being there. Yeah. So <clears throat> when I opened the door, I went in and I not only had carpets and liner, I had a fridge freezer and a cooker and a bed and two single beds, you know, and it was just absolutely amazing. And then actually a little bit of church. Um, I think it was a day or two days later, turned up outside my house mm-hmm. and emptied a van load of stuff. And I had oh. the most comfiest three-piece suite, you know, and then another couple, Ken and Evie, they did um, Calvary Church. Absolutely love them a bit, honestly. Ken, unfortunately, isn't with us anymore, but Evie is. Um, he's, he's already celebrating. He's in glory. He's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. He's in a better place than the rest of oh, us. Oh, honestly. So... They kind of put together all the little things that I didn't have. An ice cream scoop. It's one of the ancient ones. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. I've still got it. It's amazing. Without the stupid plastic bit oh, that snaps no. off. This thing's a amazing. A of solid metal. It's a solid metal. I mean, you just press the thing and it goes around. It's awesome. Um, But yeah, everything that I needed, yeah. I have. Even an ironing board and an iron, and I don't even like ironing, but I do it. So that was then. And then in the June, mm-hmm. I actually realised I had a fully mature apple tree, pear tree, strawberries, <laughs> brambles, raspberries. Honestly, I now have rhubarb in there as well, which I really need to use a lot of sugar with. But anyway, honestly, absolutely everything. And I moved into that home not knowing what, what was going to no. happen. But God did. Oh, he did. He went before you. Totally. totally and actually, did. something I was just thinking there, yeah. my brother, is... You know, you became a Christian when you were a wee girl. Yeah. You were saved. You know, you, you were born again. Yeah. Like when you were a wee girl. It, you know, you're, you're 32 years old, right? 35, 36 by this point, when you moved into your house in Dunfermline. Uh, so 32, I left in 2009. So I would be 33, so 34. Okay, my 30s. Yeah. And actually, you'd gone from rock bottom to God had gone before you. And it was almost like he made this beautiful, warm house for you. Yeah. Bigger than you imagined. Yeah. He give you like 
I mean, nature's candy in your back garden. Do you know what I mean? It's like he wanted to lavish this good stuff on you. Yeah. And also, like, he knew your kids would come back. Yeah. And there was a space for them. Yeah. And that's what I love. Like, he's such, I love how God can speak to us in, like, real, gentle, like, ways that, like, make our day-to-day life smoother. He can go before us and show us his promise to come, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's amazing that you found yourself there. Yeah. And you could have been in a small, empty, cold flat. Mm-hmm. But actually, you had, despite wandering off the path all those years, yep. do you know, you found yourself in a cosy, furnished, yeah, much larger home than you imagined. Yeah. That decked out garden, so specific to what you asked for when you were drunk. <laughs> like, yeah, grace is just amazing yeah. when you were drunk. Because... There's nothing you can do to separate yourself from God, right? Yeah. You can feel far away, but there's nothing you can do to separate yourself from God. Mm-hmm. Um, and he totally looked after you. And fast forward a wee bit, because I know you're going to know the this, this story. Mm-hmm. You have, is it kinship? Yeah. Winter? Yeah. So your wee granddaughter. Yeah. So she's very cute. She's very Small cute. but mighty. <laughs> Definitely. And your bigger, your, your, your weeest girl, Lily, yeah. who's how old? She's eight. Eight. Yeah, and your bigger ones have moved on, but you're a granny. Yeah, who's three? Yes, and tell us a wee bit about your work now, because obviously you could write a book, but we've only got there to four minutes. Yeah, you find yourself there. You're plugged into a church that just love you. Yeah, and that community, and they just come around you and give you literally what you need. They're like hands and feet at that point. Oh, definitely. And you have your kids living with you. You're in a healthier space. Yep. And you get involved in trauma-informed parenting. Uh-huh. So you actually went to become an inter- integrative Christian counsellor. Yeah. And then partly through that course, you, you through one reason or another, you were um, given kinship of your wee granddaughter, who yeah. was how old at the time? So she was only three months old. Three months old at the time. But I got um, residency of her, or full kingship. Oh my goodness. 2020 I think it was. okay okay so she's she she's living with you yeah and you're clearly in a much healthier space although it's safe to say I think we all lose it on a daily basis don't we? <laughs> I mean quite honestly let's get real here I'm a witch before the coffee um but you're in this beautiful home and partly through you trained to become an integrative Christian counsellor you get winter yeah and you do a U-turn. Yeah. And actually what God says to you is, no, you're going to go down the path of trauma-informed parenting yeah. to be equipped to look after all these babies and kiddies you've got in your life, but also to take care of some business that's gone yeah. on. So do you want to, can you tell us a wee bit, just like you know, a few minutes about that? Yeah. Um, Winter came and stayed with me at the age of three months. Oh. Um, Winter had quite a traumatic start mm-hmm. in life. Our intestines um, had formed on the outside of her abdominum. Um, and when she was born, she was born at 32 weeks uh-huh. um, by C-section and she was whisked down to surgery. Mm-hmm. So she was in surgery for four and a half hours, Yeah, which was probably one of the hardest four and a half hours of our lives. Um, and she had 40% of her intestines removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to sew bits off and widen mm-hmm. bits. Oh my goodness! And she had her appendix removed at the point at that point, um, and a stoma bag put on, where we were told that she could possibly have this thing for the rest of her life. Yeah. 
because then the damage was so intensive that we didn't know how things were going to heal. However, within four weeks, that bag was removed and she was doing absolutely amazing. Answer to prayer. Oh, fantastic. She really is. Um, so she was in an ICU mm-hmm. uh, through Glasgow at the Queen Elizabeth. They're absolutely phenomenal staff. I'm so grateful for the NHS. Yeah. They are, they go above and beyond yeah. and they are so stretched. Um, but this little girl was in NICU for 12 weeks over in Glasgow. And in that time, we had three really scary moments where she, the alarms went off and she flatlined. Um, she got sepsis. Um, how that little girl is alive is only by the grace of God and a mountain of people, an army of people praying for her. Um, at 12 weeks, they, my son and his girlfriend decided to move over here mm-hmm. um, and she was moved over to Bacardi. And two weeks later, she was released. Um, it was a really scary, traumatic, mm-hmm. emotional time for everybody concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety levels were going crazy, obviously. You know, this little girl nearly didn't make it so many times, nearly didn't make it. Um, our mummy was not getting a lot of sleep mm-hmm. at all. Um, and it was just a really stressful time. So for two weeks, they were looking after their baby girl. And during that two weeks, there was not a lot of sleep pads. Mm-hmm. Emotions were very high. Um, winter was not settling down. Mm-hmm. She had been released without a team of doctors and nurses mm-hmm. into a very quiet environment at that point, which is amazing, to be honest. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness, what's happening? A bit it's too quiet. quiet. A bit too quiet, yeah. Um, so... I I kind of I tried to not get involved too much and just yeah back away, um. But she just she wasn't settling down. Nobody was settling at that point. And I just remember taking her into my arms, and within a few minutes she just went to sleep, and I didn't put her down, you know, and I just let her sleep. And she stayed in my arms for five hours and just slept the whole. She was time. tired. She was absolutely exhausted. Everybody was exhausted. Mm-hmm. I think mom slept as well during that point. Um, I hope so anyway. Um, so over a period of time, it was decided that she would come and stay with me because I didn't have that same emotional no. connection that mom and dad did. No. You know, I'd not gone through the whole trauma of that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so she basically, the way that I see it is that she chose me, you know, and as difficult as that was for mum and dad, they made that decision to basically let her let their baby go and come and stay with me. Um, and it was out, and they still have contact, yeah. and we still do family meals and get togethers. It's not, you know, they've not gone away. Yeah. Um, and they have gone on to have two beautiful children mm-hmm. um, and they are successfully being able to, to keep them. You know, I've got my, my four-year-old, yeah. well, three-year-old before in January. He is just an absolute delight. He is such a wee gent. And then my new granddaughter. So she's oh. just, she's brand new and she yeah. is just absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Big smiles. Mm-hmm. And mum and dad are doing amazing and I'm just so proud of them. Honestly, I really am. You know, so yeah, God can really turn yeah. it around. Yeah. And I have the privilege and honor to be able to say, you know, <laughs> they're my family. 
you know, they're doing amazing. So nice. And and Winter is such a god, you know, she's got to be a big girl. She's a <laughs> winter warrior. She is. Um, and be nice to me, but I do call her the wrong sometimes, you know, because she was, she was so tiny. She was only 1.67 kilograms, mm-hmm. you know, so she was this tiny little little thing mm-hmm. and she's absolutely gorgeous and um, and Lily you know she's took on the role of auntie and sometimes they they, they act like sisters yeah because we have the sibling yeah right we're going on you know and it's like oh my goodness right okay yeah but you know mm-hmm. Lily does amazing yeah they all do they all do I'm so proud of all of them oh. they've done amazing they come through um, a lot oh yeah definitely and you um, so you do yourself with trauma-informed parenting yeah. um, at, at the minute. Yeah. Um, and I guess there's, we're not going to go into that because there's a lot There's a lot to it. There's a lot, <laughs> lot to it. A lot to but it. What we were just saying was, isn't it amazing that you've taken the situation and the rough start uh-huh. that your mum had, actually, that you had. Yeah. You had a rough time for a long time. Yeah. Um, and some of the stuff that your older kids have been through and actually... God has picked you up. Yep. And what he's given you now is you're now someone that has such a clear mind and can see you've got such an understanding of the word. You've got a good expectation of God. You know, you expect good things. Yeah. And actually, you we were just having a discussion there about, you know, Winter and Lily, they're being raised in this church mm-hmm. and they, they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Yeah. And that will change everything. Forever, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It's amazing. And for people listening to this, you know, you've you've spoken about the ups and downs, and it's become very apparent. You don't give your life to Christ, and then all of a sudden the heavens open and out falls sunshine and lollipops. It's a process because you're still you. You're still your fleshly side. Yeah, and it's a yeah, it's a process. And I think the more we dig into the word, we the more we have an understanding of God and who he is and his grace, yeah, the quicker that process can speed up to, yeah. you know, get to where we never really want to be because our home is in heaven. Yeah. But as of today, right now, what do you what do you wish you could say to the person that was like off their face with a broken toe about who Jesus is, what he thinks of her, uh-huh. and what he's gonna do to her life? Okay. if she doesn't finish it off that's a good question i know i never saw i never said i was gonna say that <laughs> sorry um what would i say to her i would say you are enough mm-hmm. um it's okay to feel crap yeah it's okay to cry it's okay to be angry it's okay to stamp your feet yeah it's okay to shout um and get angry at god even you know um but he's not he's never ever ever gonna leave you he's never gonna go away from you because God, because you've made that decision you've you've, you've said that prayer you've invited him into your life yeah that's you know, and that's happened that's it's done you yeah know, no matter what it's done there's absolutely not a single solitary thing that you could do mm-hmm. that would make him that would that could separate you from his love yeah because yeah. he is love yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a father that made you and created you for a relationship mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. you know, and he's, he's only got the very best in mind. His Bible is a love story. It's not a set of rules and what you've got to do yeah. to get that, you know, to get his acceptance. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. He already accepts you exactly yeah. where you are. Yeah. You know, and if we look at Jesus when he came back as a child, he came back in a filthy, dirty, yeah. stable or manger. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't sanitized. No. They didn't have bleach back in those days. You know, yeah. they had no roof. They, they had no home at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they were out of where they, their comfort zone, yeah. completely and utterly, yeah. and they had to trust, yeah. you know, that God had them every yeah. step of the way. And kings came, or wise men, yeah. came and visited. The place was filthy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he wasn't brought no. up in palaces and no. with a lot of great stuff around him. No. You know, he was brought up yeah. in muck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and what he represented as the new covenant that we now live under, that all those that follow Jesus, we live under a new covenant. Yeah. And that's very, very good news. Yeah. And what do you think your life would look like without Jesus? Or, oh my or a good understanding of Jesus and the new covenant covenant of grace that we live under? What it would look like without him. Yeah. Um, without him, I would either be in a padded cell. Yeah. Or a police cell. Mm -hmm. Or I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, God really picked me up from a place that I was at my darkest, darkest. Yeah. And I did not see any hope or light whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And he really did. Mm -hmm. When when I'm, I was sitting on that floor with my dissipated tool, the realisation that it was real. But it, it, still, it was still a process. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like, okay... God, you're real, mm -hmm. and that everything was fixed. I knew it was real, but I still didn't feel good enough. Yeah. You know, I didn't feel accepted or worthy enough of his love. Yeah. And it wasn't until actually coming around other people and getting into his word mm -hmm. and learning more of who his character was yeah. and is, that's when the relationship started to happen. Yeah. When I was able to actually lay all my stuff down and accept, you know, I'm not good enough. That's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> but his grace is. Yeah. You know, and his sacrifice, he would have died just for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and that just blows my mind. Yeah. He loves yeah. us so much. You know, yeah. and he died so that I could be reconciled back to a father that loved yeah. me as holy. And he covers me by his yeah. grace, his mercy. It's not about me. It's no. not about what I've done or not done. Yeah. It's about him and what he has done. Yeah. I could not have done this without him. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you. Yeah. I wouldn't have been in the situations that I've been in without mm -hmm. him, you know, and being in this church and having a family. And mm -hmm. I've not just, you know, I didn't come to Liberty Church back then mm -hmm. and stay in Liberty Church. I went to all different churches looking for God and his relationship in people. I didn't mm -hmm. find it there. Mm -hmm. You know, I found the relationship with God by allowing him in. Yeah. And getting to know who he is. Your understanding of him. Yes. Yeah. And it talks to us, yeah. you yeah. know, and it talks to us through other people, through his word, through his worship, yeah. through situations and circumstances. Mm -hmm. My girls are in an amazing family school right now. Yeah. They have had so much support mm -hmm. and love. Mm -hmm. You know, I never got that as a kid. The kids, that the teachers are trauma-informed, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. You know, Suzanne has been fantastic. I'll just put that out there. Suzanne Scott, 
Um, is she in school? Uh, no, Suzanne Scott stays in Glasgow, so she's oh, okay. the founder of Trauma oh, okay. in. Okay. Um, and that is based by Brian Post, by Post Institute, and they're over in America. And Amazing. yeah, it's just, it really has. But thank you so much for coming on, Donna. Thank it's you. been so nice to sit and chat here. This is the first time I've ever recorded a podcast in the same room as someone, and it's quite nice, actually. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. And I just know that I'm going to get so many emails and things like that from people that listen to this that see how much you've impacted them. So I'm going to put the books you recommended in the show notes mm-hmm. and we'll just leave it there. So if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a review or even email me with anything you think I could do to make this podcast better. I'm totally open to hearing feedback and ideas. Every single week, I am emailing out a bit of an encouraging newsletter These are going to change every week. Sometimes it's going to be thoughts that God has put in my heart. Sometimes it's going to just be maybe a series of funny stories or life hacks or things that I find helpful. Either way, it's a great way for us to connect. And I would love to have you on the subscribers list. So make sure to do that. Have a lovely week praying for God's protection over you as you just go about your business. And I'll see you again. Bye.